Hello, and thanks for taking the time to check us out on the Maine Question podcast from the University of Maine. We're now up to episode three of season four. I'm your host, Ron Lisnett. Our topic of conversation today, a technology that is profoundly changing the way we work, live, take in entertainment, and interact with the world and each other in countless ways. AI, the acronym for artificial intelligence, It's not just the evil entity that sets out to destroy mankind in the Terminator movie series, and it's not something that is coming in the future. It's here now. And whether we know it or not, we interact with AI constantly. When you apply for a job, a loan, or a credit card, it comes into play when you scroll through your favorite social media platform. It controls the ads and political messages we see. It uses the power of computers and crunching huge sets of data to do things that people would just not be able to accomplish on their own. And that power can be used for good and the advancement of humankind. But it can also be wielded in ways that are not so good or downright scary. At the University of Maine, AI is part of the research being done in computer science, but also in a lot of other subjects. Wildlife, for instance, counting bird populations, healthcare, Engineering, making sure surfaces of things are clean and not infected with things like COVID. Many of these projects feature someone from computer science teaming up with a researcher in another discipline to figure out how AI can maybe make a difference. We wanted to talk to some computer scientists to try and get a handle on this phenomenon and the work being done here at UMaine. Penny Reingans is the director of the School of Computing and Information Science at UMaine. Roy Turner is an associate professor of computer science. We talked about those collaborations, the advances and dangers of AI, and whether or not Hollywood gets it right when AI is part of the story. It might be helpful, maybe let's start with defining some terms. On a basic level, what exactly is artificial intelligence or better known as AI? Roy, you wanna start, take a crack at that? Sure, there's a lot of different definitions actually, which is uh, kind of bizarre, but there are. Uh, sometimes it's uh, people define it as doing things that, if you saw a human doing it, would seem to require intelligence. So playing chess or being a doctor or something like that. Other folks define it as uh, getting computers to do things that might be very really easy for us, like understanding language or, or seeing videos or something and understanding that, but are typically and traditionally hard for computers. And so that's where a lot of the current uh, work in machine learning is going on, for example. And uh, still others, you know, just define it as, as coming up with a full-fledged intelligence. So it's, it's kind of all of those. It sort of seems like that whatever we don't know how to do quite well, well enough yet in computer science kind of falls into that area in some ways. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like that. You just mentioned the term machine learning. So Penny, what, what is that? Is that a subset of AI or something separate? No, it's a subset of AI. What machine learning does is it takes lots and lots and lots of examples of things where we know the answer. And from that creates basically a model, a predictive model that we can use to figure out what the answer is on new examples. And this is probably when people say AI recently, that's what they mostly mean. Uh, machine learning has really exploded for, for two reasons recently. One is computers bigger, faster, they can churn through more of these examples faster. But the biggest thing is sort of the connectivity and the uh, the availability of, of data, right? Our ability to, to find data out on the internet through sensors, we're just drowning in it. And for 
for machine learning, that's a really important thing to be able to create these models and be able to sort of try to discover new knowledge in all of those sets of examples. So it's taking trial and error and ramping it up in a, in a huge way. It's not even so much trying and erring. It's like looking at lots and lots of examples of, oh, that's a tree and that's a tree and that's a tree and that's a tree. And after you've seen 10 million trees, if someone gives you a picture, you can probably say whether it's a tree or not. So AI, probably it's a safe bet to say it's, it's a bigger part of our everyday lives now than, than many people realize. Are, are there some examples you could cite where it's being put to use where people don't even give it a second thought for, for good or for not so good reasons? Well, one thing is, of course, Google, but is it essentially an AI company? Um, and every time that you touch Google, you're interacting with their AI systems. Uh, that's how they find everything. That's also how they classify images and you can do image searches and things like that. They're a cutting edge AI company more than, uh, you know, at heart, that's what they are. Um, it's in Facebook for good or ill, um, but some of the better things that it does, they're looking at uh, sentiment analysis to try to determine when people are depressed from their posts and things like that. Some of the worst things they do, of course, is uh, you know tailor ads uh, and and maybe be a little more intrusive than they should in some ways. Some people think so. You see it in that category too, and of course uh, you're seeing it more and more in you know self-driving cars. Uh, you're seeing it in um, you know any time that you go for a loan application or uh, you know any sort of credit that you're going for. You're being vetted by an AI system. Also, if you go for a job, your job application is probably being pre-processed by an AI system. Uh, checks are, are read by systems that came out of this uh, very early machine learning. Uh, LacunaNet, for example, looks at, at the numbers on the check and reads it. So there's a lot of stuff that, that's behind the scenes. It's becoming uh, pretty much pervasive, I think. Penny, we think of this in some ways maybe as part of our future, but it's, it's part of our present, isn't it? It's absolutely. It's it's everywhere. You probably interact with AI dozens of times every day. So AI certainly has been a favorite theme of a number of Hollywood movies. You guys must watch these movies with a different eye than than, than most of us. What do they get right? What what do you look at? I, I you know I think of the Terminator series as an example maybe of AI that's gone way over the top when the, the robots have taken over. But what do those films get right, and where does it go? off into the land of fiction where you go, no, sorry, that, that's never going to happen. That's just Hollywood doing their thing. One of the best depictions of AI, I think, is still from 1968, was HAL 9000 in, uh, in 2001 Space Odyssey. It gave kind of a sense of, of this otherness that still is, uh, you know, trying to be smart and whatnot. The more recent thing, uh, Ex Machina, for example, again, that sense of, of otherness in the, in the AI system that uh, you know, it, was, it, was, it, it has its own motivations, things like that. I mean, nobody looks at, you know, nobody does a movie about, you know, a machine learning system. So they're always about, you know, bigger, full-fledged intelligences, kinds of things that we can't really do. And often they just take the approach of, of putting a human in, a, in a, an AI wrapper and calling it an AI. Uh, you know, often they, the thing that they get wrong so much, I think, and, and is, you know, first of all, state-of-the-art, but is the fact that, you know, in many movies, it's uh, this, this super intelligent thing that somehow still can't understand humans or still lacks the creative spark or something. It's, you know, just artistic license. But I haven't found a lot of movies that get AI uh, particularly right. One that 
television show that might be closer is something like uh, The Expanse, which doesn't actually have AI as a as an explicit thing, but shows up as just sort of naturally something that happens, uh, you know, when they talk to the ship and stuff. So I think it's going to be more like that where we're dealing with it on a pervasive basis. And I think they're, I think they're getting that right more than, more than some of the others. I think I read somewhere that Star Trek, the original Star Trek that had technologies that were part of the, of the, of the story that, you know, ended up being sort of prescient and coming in, into reality is do, do any of these Hollywood productions have they given folks like yourself in, in, the, in the computer world ideas saying, hey, that's a good idea. We should go make that. Does that ever happen? I'm sure it has. I, I can't think of a particular example in AI. I don't know about you, Penny. Well, there were certainly things. I don't know that it sparked research in AI, but led things working in the real world. Uh, things like reliable voice recognition, things like if you think about the holodeck and the independent characters and their actions and how they interact with the, the members of the crew, all of that stuff that was portrayed on TV before it would have been working in real life. I think a lot of times science fiction serves as a, a, an inspiration and a, a sort of a uh, you know, a goal to shoot for. I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm agreeing with Penny there. I think uh, maybe less prescient and more, uh, more, of a, more of a goal. AI certainly seem to have played a role in our elections and politics in general. You think of Twitter bots or, or whatever other examples you might come up with. How uh, big an effect does that have and how might that evolve in the future? I think it had a pretty big effect. I think people are finding out there were a lot of, of bots, as you mentioned, on both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, contributing to the fake news problem on uh, on those platforms, uh, intending to put people in, you know, reinforce the silos that people were in, um, and also the the algorithms that are used in those, uh, especially in Facebook and and social many social media apps to they're well intentioned to bring you things that are inter- that are interest of interest to you, right? But it does tend to force a, a silofication, right, of putting us in our little groups of, of bubbles that we don't we don't go go outside of. And I think that's really been a not a good thing for uh, for social discourse. And that's been partly to bl- uh, AI is partly to blame for that. And I think it's going to get worse in the future unless there's some attention paid. And I think the the big tech companies, uh, partly under you know, under pressure from from society, are starting to try to see what they can do about that. But the, still, that's their business model is bringing you what you want to see, you know, and, and using, using your data, of course, but bringing you what you want to see. I think in the future, we're going to see a lot of fake things that are almost indistinguishable from non-fake things on uh, most platforms. Uh, already, you can find what are called deep fakes. They're machine, learnings that are, machine learning systems that are, that are faking, uh, uh, you know, images or, or videos or voices. And uh, they can be detected at the moment by experts and by other AI systems, but uh, it's not easy to detect those. So Penny, who does it fall to to sort of monitor this? Does it come down to the individual not letting them be swayed by AI? Is it up to the computer programmers? Is it up to the businesses like the Amazons and the Googles? Or is it just everybody's got to play their part in making sure this doesn't get used in a negative way? It's all of the above, right? Everybody has a different role. As individuals, it's about uh, being cognizant of what's happening under the hood and what, what, that, you know, what is being left out and what you're being exposed to, uh, what decisions might be made about you. Uh, in terms of the, those who develop technology, 
right? It's our responsibility to get beyond thinking of technology is always good and thinking about how it also has, it enables things that are not good or sometimes is explicitly not good. Um, and sometimes, often that's just incidental that, you know, Roy talked about how AI is often, it's technology that, that reproduces what people might do or, or th- jobs that you would think would require intelligence if people did them. And when you look at machine learning and you look at the, the, the data, the examples that it has, those examples are often created by people who've made flawed human judgments. And so what the, the machine learning try, ends up doing is it, is it beautifully at scale reproduces those flawed human judgments. And so we can't just naively say, here's a bunch of examples from the world, let's train on it. We have to look for those biases and, and explicitly recognize them and root them out. A game-changing technology like this obviously has many different purposes, and I imagine at the University of Maine, researchers in, in all kinds of fields are, are using AI in one way or another. Can you talk about some of the work being done here at UMaine? If we added everybody in, we would never have enough uh, room for everybody on this show. So maybe, Penny, you can talk about some, some work being done here at UMaine and who is doing it and, and what it's going to mean. Sure. We've got a, a cluster of recent projects that I think are really good examples. And these, these came through our AI seed grant program. And each of them has the interesting characteristic that it's a collaboration between someone in computer science doing foundational uh, research in AI and someone in an application domain who's using it for something that, that's important to them. Uh, and so Roy is leading one of those with someone from wildlife ecology named Cindy Lofton. And what they're looking at is AI techniques to recognize birds in photos, to be able to do censuses of birds on um, islands off the coast of Maine. We've got a team that includes Salome Seke and Nick Giodici that's looking at creating AI models to model adversarial attacks and be able to recognize them. Um, we've got another group that um, is looking at, so this one is, um, this one's also Salome Seke and Caitlin Howell, who's part of the biomedical engineering program. And what they're looking for is creating models of surfaces where you could look at the surface and tell whether it's clean or not in order to be able to print or create new kinds of materials that might work on things like kiosks, where you'd want to know, is that clean? And so what they're, they're doing is creating a bunch of libraries and a bunch of data and then using machine learning to, to sort of sort through this and be able to understand what all that data means. And, and then we've got one last one that's, that's really at that place of looking at the impacts and the responsibility. And so this is a team sort of co-led by um, Harlan Onsrud and Sepede Ganavate looking at uh, privacy and how these machine learning systems, how they impact our privacy and how they can be tweaked and how they can be monitored in order to preserve privacy. Roy, walk us through how you use AI and computer science to do wildlife surveys. That seems, you wouldn't put those two things together. Most people wouldn't anyway. Well, what we're looking at is um, using some uh, plane-based uh, photographs from every five years, the government does a, does a, a complete photo mosaic of the coast. We're looking at that and also looking at some drone data that, uh, that Cindy and company are getting. 
and then feeding that into a machine learning system that can take a look at the photographs and uh, identify the birds. So we're training them up currently. We have a grad student working on, on that, uh, training uh, a system called MASK, RCNN. It's just a bunch of, of buzzwords, but uh, that can look at photos and identify uh, the pixels and the in the image that, that are part of a bird and also then identifying that as a species. Uh, we're interested in looking at behavior as well, so it's also trying, we're also trying to train it to learn whether the birds are nesting or standing or flying, that kind of thing. And that gives us a better, uh, a better idea. That takes humans hours and hours and hours to look at a, a single image, and, and the, the machine learning system, once it's trained, can do that very rapidly. And it's very intrusive to go on these islands anyways to do, to do uh, more complete surveys. Uh, you can cause some death in the colonies that way. So it's a very, uh, I think it's a very, gonna be a very useful technique. And people across the country are starting to use this for wildlife uh, surveys. Penny, can you talk about computer science in general here at UMaine? What's the program like? What does it emphasize? How many students do you have in both grad and undergrad? And is AI a big part of what they're learning? So I would actually cast it a little broader than that. So in, a, in the school, we've got three programs. We've got new media, we've got computer science, and we've got uh, spatial informatics. And they're all really part of this more broader computing umbrella. Between the three programs, we probably have about 450 students and sort of different focuses. The computer science program, I'd say the focus is really on software development and on practical applications of computing. So, you know, we collaborate with people who are doing climate change research and wildlife ecology research and teaching and learning research and accessibility for people who are blind. And that all kind of comes under the umbrella. Can you talk about the opportunities these students are going to see coming down the road? I, I can't imagine that this is not a growth industry in a, in a field that is just exploding right now. Honestly, it's the twin advantages. The first is basically all of our graduates end up employed. And there's a certain joy in that, not going back and living in your, your parents' basement unless you choose to. Um, but also there's a real power in computing to be able to impact other areas, right? To be able to include, improve things like wildlife preservation or environmental monitoring, or personalized medicine, or um, citizenship and understanding civic information. And so it gives you this really unique opportunity to combine the, the creative process of computing with solving problems that matter to you. If you look at how this has developed over the years, take, your, take yourselves back to when you were college students. Could you have imagined that for instance, somebody would wear a watch that could give them all their health information or, you know, pick, pick any other sort of, uh, you know, having every song that's ever been recorded on your uh, personal device. Could, could either of you have imagined that we are where we are right now? Only from reading science fiction. <laughs> so, but no, I, it was, it's amazing how fast things have changed from, uh, I was at the tail end of the punch card era. Uh, so we have, We've really come a long way in that time period. Penny, how about you? I think I, I, I'm also one of sort of those optimists who looked at the happy kind of science fiction and said, that's where we're going and I can, I want to help get there. There was also a, a sort of a, a characterization of progress in computing from the early days called Moore's Law. That means it, it, it basically stated every year and a half, 
things doubled in their speed and shrunk in their size. And so for many of the early year, early decades of computing, we came to expect that, that next year's computer would be twice as fast as this one. And I think that that really shaped how we felt about it, that, that things were always going to be bigger and faster and more powerful. For both of you, this is a bit of a left field question, but any favorite movies or shows that dealt with this or a device that you just love that a computer person could only love or anything, anything come to mind like that? Or do you, do you just love your phone and, and what it can do like everybody else? Anything in particular beyond that? So movies I would call out are the ones where you don't think there's AI there, right? Where they're um, animated films, something where you've got a whole crowd in the background. Right? Many years ago, a student of mine went to work at Pixar and she was officially a bug wrangler. This was, uh, you know, so her job was to use AI basically to animate the bugs that were in the, the background of the crowd. So stuff like that where you don't know it's there, but it makes what you see richer. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, where all the orcs were individual AI agents, basically, moving around so they didn't look so, so you know, fake, that kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Hard to distinguish reality from something that's uh, been created out of whole cloth these days, that's for sure. We always like to end on, on this, uh, some derivation of this question, but if you look out five or 10 years, uh, what do you think we'll see in terms of AI and the role it plays in our lives, good or bad? Are you optimistic that we're, we're going to get it right? If you want to expand beyond five or 10 years, that's fine too. But what, what, uh, take out your crystal balls. What, what, what do you think you'll see? Well, five or 10 years, I think we're going to just see AI even more pervasive, like uh, most technologies that's been very successful. I mean, that's one definition of a, of a mature technology is you don't even notice it. It's in the fabric of life. And uh, I think, you know, like electricity, we don't, we have, it's everywhere. We don't stop and think about the fact we turn on a light and light comes on. And I think it's going to be like that for AI in five or 10 years. It's becoming like that now. I think also the public's going to be a bit more savvy about it, which uh, you know, right now the technology is getting way ahead of people uh, in general. And that's usually with computers. That's what's always been with computers. People either think computers are uh, much, much better than they are, or much, much worse than they are, unless you're in the field. And I think that's what it is with, with AI. But I think people are going to be much more savvy. They're going to know about its pitfalls. They're going to know about a little bit more about its pitfalls. I hope government's going to be a little more savvy about it and the corporations. Uh, going further out, um, you know, who knows? I mean, it's hard to tell. Uh, we see this kind of thing in, in AI. You know, it has been around since the 50s. We see this sort of thing all the time where, where there's a technology that takes off and really expands, and then it hits a limit. And this may, be a, this may be what's going to happen with machine learning. It may be another kind of machine learning that needs to take over, and there are people working on that. But it may not be. It may be we may have finally found the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Rosetta Stone for unlocking intelligence. And if so, then who knows where we'll go with this? Uh, hopefully not down the Terminator pipe. Well, let's hope not. How about for you, Penny? What do you, what do you hope to see? I think I'm also essentially hopeful. I think there are really important, uh, good conversations going on in our community and beyond about how to use technology, how to use AI ethically, how to um, use it for good explicitly, computing for good, data science for good. I think and I hope that those conversations and those really energetic, engaged people doing that research are going to, to lead to something good, lead to something important. And that it will move us sort of from the initial, gee whiz, look what we can do phase of AI to the, 
No. Look what good we can do. And I think that's really important. We hope you're right. And I guess we're all curious to see where this all ends up. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you want to learn more about the AI work being done at UMaine, head to ai.umaine.edu. You can find our podcast and subscribe if you'd like on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. This is Ron Lisnett. We'll catch you next time on The Main Question.